I know that the intention of the ceremonies this weekend is that those of us who are guests of honor would inspire the exceptional students here to greater effort and achievement. It is with some humility that I note that, at least in my case, the inspiration has come from the other direction. The students that I have met and spoken to have, by their obvious freshness, energy, and intense motivation, served to remind me of my own student days, and perhaps even to inspire me to greater effort in my own work. I think that all of us who saw the film on space exploration last night were fascinated and thrilled by what we saw and experienced, even if at only secondhand, some of the excitement which the astronauts themselves must have felt as they explored a new dimension of our environment. The theme that I would like to stress today is that those of us who are engaged in scientific research, at least occasionally, experience the same sense of excitement and wonder when we uncover some new truth which no one has seen or even suspected before. I would also like to suggest that it is in the pursuit of basic research in the natural sciences, that is, research done for no other reason than to increase our store of scientific knowledge, that one experiences this excitement most intensely. As many of you know, the present century is unique in the history of science. Never before have so many discoveries of fundamental importance been made. Never before have so many scientists been engaged in these activities. And never before have discoveries been proliferating at such an ever-increasing rate. The work which I would like to describe briefly now is certainly one of the most fundamental of these discoveries. It has fascinated and challenged me for some 40 years, almost all of my working life. It provides nothing less than the answer to the question, what is the structure of matter at the molecular level? It has now been some 2,400 years that the Greek philosopher Democritus first postulated the existence of molecules, that is to say, the existence of a smallest unit of matter having the same physical and chemical properties as the bulk material, and such that any further subdivision yields something different. He further guessed that molecules themselves consist of still smaller particles called atoms, the nature and arrangement of which determine the physical and chemical properties of the whole. A remarkable guess when one considers that it was made so long ago. Not all philosophers are so lucky. It is only in the present century that, after a quest of some 2,400 years, the definitive and unequivocal answer to the question of molecular structures has finally been given. I feel privileged and fortunate that I have been in some small measure responsible for providing the answer. The crucial experiment was performed by the German physicist Friedrich Hanknipping 74 years ago, the scattering of X-rays by crystals. It is not necessary for my present purpose that any of you understand in detail the nature of this experiment. 
It is sufficient to know that the experiment was done solely out of curiosity and for the purpose of learning one of nature's secrets. In other words, simply to add to our store of scientific knowledge. There was no thought at the time of possible applications. In short, this was basic research, pure and simple. It is this property which is the unique characteristic of basic research. That is, that one does not know, in fact, can almost never anticipate what the ultimate implications of the work will be. As it turned out, the long-range consequences were completely unexpected, but of the greatest importance, not only to science itself, but also in improving the health and well-being of humankind as well. At the time that Friedrich and Knipping did their experiment, it was immediately recognized that this work had the potential for providing the means for unlocking one of nature's most precious and closely guarded secrets, the key to the determination of molecular structures. However, at the same time, an essential difficulty arose, which convinced the scientific community that the path from the X-ray scattering experiment to the determination of molecular structures was blocked by an insurmountable obstacle, the loss in the scattering experiment of half the information which was needed. So widespread was this belief that for almost 40 years, no sustained attack on this problem was mounted. It wasn't until the early 1950s that the problem was attacked head-on by my colleague Jerome Carl and myself. And by employing sophisticated mathematical techniques and developing new, new ones when required, we were eventual, eventually able to resolve the essential difficulty and solve the problem. It is of great interest now to record the reaction of the scientific community which because of the widespread belief that the problem which we claimed to have solved was an unsolvable one, was one of disbelief, skepticism, and hostility, even in the face of a number of successful applications of the method. It is appropriate to note here that the problem had been formulated, indeed of necessity had to be formulated, in purely mathematical terms, and it was for this reason that powerful mathematical techniques could be brought to bear on its solution. It was the inability of the scientific community to understand the nature of the solution which accounted at least in part for the cool reception it received. It wasn't until some 10 or 15 years later when an ever-increasing number of applications were being made that the method gained widespread acceptance by the scientific community. Today, some 50,000 molecular structures are known, and with the advent of modern computers, some 5,000 new structures are being determined every year. This body of knowledge constitutes the experimental basis of modern structural chemistry. Of perhaps even greater significance are the implications of this work for the life sciences and the improved quality of health care which this work makes possible. By relating molecular structure to biological activity, one is better able to design intelligently new drugs with specified activity and minimal adverse side effects, thus improving the quality of life for everyone. I should like to stress once again that at the time the basic research which I've just described was done, 
Some 35 years ago, there was no thought of the long-range consequences and the potential benefit to mankind, which has, in fact, resulted from the work done so long ago. I see that my time is up. Thank you. Um, this is something of an ideological or theoretical question as far as the application of science is concerned. You talked about the research that you've done and some of the technical, technological achievements of this century, uh, and they are undoubtedly great. But it is coming to light, especially in recent years, that there's problems with quickly using the technology that we gain. Um, atomic and nuclear weapons, nuclear power plants, and we find flaws either in the technology or our use of it. And I was wondering what you think about completely researching the ramifications of using the technology we get before we actually use it, or do you think we should just go out and start using the technology and find out what happens through trial and error? No, I would, I would uh, myself recommend a more conservative approach, especially when you talk about um, the uses of nuclear energy, which clearly are fraught with great danger. It seems to me that a slow approach, which would minimize the possibility of catastrophic accidents of the sort, for example, that we've just heard about in the Soviet Union, I certainly would be in favor of a much slower approach which would minimize these dangers. Thank you. The other question here, please. Um, what do you think will be the long-term effects of the current administration's apparent lack of interest in basic research, leaning more towards defense-oriented and other applied research, and what do you think can be done to change that? The, the long-term effects, I think, will be catastrophic. I think that uh, what can be done is for, is for at least in a society such as ours, where we have, which is a democratic society, I think it essential that we broaden the base of education so that everyone um, is as knowledgeable as can be and therefore in a, is in a position to make sensible choices when election time comes around. 